Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Topic episode 37, ultimate episode 93. Each day, we almost all do something multiple times a day, and that is, we look in a mirror. When we do this, we experience a lot, not just what we see. For good or for ill, we can experience things like our characters, how we look, how we feel, our desires, our hopes, our dreams, and much more. How important are all of those attributes? And how important is how we see ourselves? Not just the facts, but also perception. It is everything, or at least second most important thing ever. Regardless of how selfless selfless we are, it always comes back to self. Either what I want, which is perhaps a bit more on the selfish side, or what I want for others, which is more on the selfless side, I is still always part of it. This is actually okay, or at least from my perspective is okay, with how I interpret what Christ told us in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 39. I covered this in my interlude episode just prior to this one, but for the sake of completeness, I'm going to reread it. So Matthew 22, verse 36 through 39. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In this we, or the I, are put as equal import to the neighbor. For how important this is, it is arguably imperative that we learn how to grow ourselves, to be able to help others. And to do this, I recommend that we understand the three bastions of self. Yes, I am bringing back the word bastion. So these three items I'm going to talk about is number one, identity. Number two, one. And that will make more sense as we dig into it. And number three, Potential and association. So let's talk about number one. Identity. The bastion of identity. What is identity? So for this, I did some very basic research into the dictionary. There are lots of definitions for identity. But I focused on definition three and definition nine. Definition three is the condition or character as to who a person or a thing is. So there's an emphasis there on character. Definition nine is actually a mathematical definition of identity, and it refers to the identity element. So that brings us to item two. Fundamentally, the math property of one is multiplicative identity, meaning 
that any number multiplied by one will always be itself. In mathematical terms, the one is often referred to as the identity number, which is interesting because there are scriptural references that we'll be going to shortly that tie identity and one together. The third bastion is potential and association. So what we're going to talk about now is from a fantastic talk that was given recently. And this was, uh, or is, this was from a October 2020 general conference from Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And this is from a woman whose name is Michelle D. Craig. Uh, this is probably my favorite talk that came out of that particular conference. There are four sections that come out of it, and I'm going to be reading them. For the sake of smoothness, I'll just read them all for now and then just reference them. I may even read them out of order from the way she presented them originally. But let's just uh, begin with uh, this one. This topic begins with seeing ourselves as God sees us. Perhaps the most important things for us to see clearly are who God is and who we really are, sons and daughters of heavenly parents with a divine nature and eternal destiny. Ask God to reveal these truths to you, along with how he feels about you. The more, import, the more you understand your true identity and purpose, soul deep, the more it will influence everything in your life, end quote. I really like how she used the two phrases, one being true identity, the other being soul deep. Um, I, I thought that was rather poetic. The next uh, paragraph or, or, or quote out of this is the following. As with all gifts the Father so willingly offers, Seeing deeply requires us to ask him and then act. Ask to see others as he does, as his true sons and daughters with infinite and divine potential. Then act by loving, serving, and affirming their worth and potential as prompted. As this becomes the pattern of our lives, we will find ourselves becoming true followers of Jesus Christ. Others will be able to trust our hearts with theirs. And in this pattern, we will also discover our own true identity and purpose. Before I continue on to the other quotes, I, I feel inspired to, to share a thought on this. Uh, I really like how she said, as this becomes the pattern of our lives, we will find ourselves becoming true followers of Christ. Others will be able to trust our hearts with theirs. Something that I think caused me to fall in love with my wife in the first place many, many, many years ago was the fact that she was easy to trust. I and anyone who knew her from any walk of life could trust her with our hearts, our deepest desires, our deepest concerns, our woes, what we find interesting, funny, what we find sad and sorrowful what we find difficult with our lives or what we see as difficult with others' lives. 
She doesn't mock. She doesn't ridicule. She listens. And she truly cares as she listens. Um, I think sometimes she finds it difficult because when she's in the presence of other people, sometimes they don't want to hear what she has to say, even though, at least in my opinion, she's one of the wisest people I know. But they do want to share with her. And they want to get things off their chest. And she seems to be the conduit for that. And I hope that she understands that it's because she is that kind of person that they can trust with their hearts. And that's kind of a big deal. And I would argue that it's a very rare commodity in this world. All right, moving on to the next paragraph. This next paragraph is, or section is entitled Seeing Others. Understanding how God sees us prepares the way to help us see others as he does. Columnist David Brooks said, Many of our society's greatest problems flow from people not feeling seen and known. There is a core trait that we all have to get better at, and that is the trait of seeing each other deeply and being deeply seen. Jesus Christ sees people deeply. He sees individuals, their needs, and who they become. Where others see fishermen, sinners, or publicans, Jesus saw disciples. Where others saw a man possessed by devils, Jesus looked past the outward distressed, acknowledged the man, and healed him. End quote. And the final one I want to read is called, uh, actually it doesn't have a particular title, so I'll just go ahead and dive in. <clears throat> My friend recalled another experience while sitting in that empty pew alone, wondering if 20 years of effort to live the gospel in her home was all for naught. She needed more than calming reassurance. She needed vision. She felt a question pierce her heart. <clears throat> Why did you do those things? Did you do them for the reward, the praise of others, or the desired outcome? She hesitated for a moment, searching her heart, and was then able to answer confidently. I did them because I love the Savior, and I love his gospel. The Lord opened her eyes to help her see. This simple but powerful change of vision helped her continue to press on with the faith in Christ, despite her circumstance. Uh, even though this isn't 100% tie into the topic I'm covering now, I thought this was an amazing story of the concept of faith. Because we often follow the commandments because we believe, largely, that there's going to be a one-to-one -one correlation to some kind of blessing or reward at the end of it whether it's something we want or at least something we're expecting or anticipating. The truth is, the faith comes from doing what we're supposed to do and not knowing what we're going to be getting on the other end of it or when. Never if, because we are promised that something will come. That would deny justice if nothing came. But it's not a question of if, it's certainly a question of what and when. So that was kind of amazing. Um, so I'm going to tie all of these different topics together, as I've done in the past with other things like this. If we take the concept of self, or the reference that we made to in Bastion 1 of identity, and we tie that true to this concept of true identity, um, this uh, Michelle... Craig, or Sister Craig, refers to divine potential. Then we take that to unity and one. 
Now let's talk about unity and one for a moment. If we go to the book of John in the New Testament, there's a handful of references there that I'm just going to share really quickly to get this point across. The first one is in the book of John, verses 10, chapter 10, verse 30. And it says, I and my Father are one. So Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, he's referring to them as one. We'll dig a little bit more into what uh, I, I see that as meaning. In John chapter 17, verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe it, believe that thou hast sent me. John 17, 22, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So this can be interpreted in lots of different ways. Uh, the, the concept of being one. So does being one mean being the same? Uh, many people have viewed those passages to say that Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are really the same person. How else could they be one? Yet some of those other passages seem to contradict that concept. Some people see that as one in purpose. Um, I'm going to say that there are a lot of potential attributes or interpretations for that. As I've mentioned before, especially when it comes to scriptorial things, the vast majority, if not all, of the scriptures are not to be interpreted just one way. Uh, else, the spider web that we call God's plan um, would be a very small and linear spider web. Whereas in reality, it's enormous and spans. Uh, and look at the universe around us. I mean, astronomy is so incredibly deep. And we know Heavenly Father is deeper than that. So there's got to be much more to it. One of the things I did want to point out, though, is in the law of physics, it says that no object, no two objects, I'm sorry, can occupy the same space at the same time. So let's take something here in the mortal existence that we're familiar with. It is about as close to being one with something else as possible, and that is identical twins. They have more or less the same genetic code. They look more or less the same. They're typically born at nearly the same time, with obviously minutes sometimes longer uh, separating them. And yet, the very moment that they are born, they are different. They occupy different space, or at least the same space, at different times. They're both going to look at the world from a slightly different standpoint. One might start by looking left, and the other may start by looking right. The point I'm trying to bring across here is, based off of this simple law and this simple example that we're given, and life is full of examples we're supposed to learn from so we can understand the eternities and the heavens, it is impossible for us to be one and the same. But... It is not impossible to be one from the standpoint of many of the attributes that defines Christ and really defines our Heavenly Father. And so one of the points that I'm trying to bring up in this particular one is the attribute of seeing. One of the things that I am very passionate about, and I've mentioned this multiple times before, is the uh, role-playing game Final Fantasy. So let me go off topic for just a moment. And I'll bring us back full circle. In most role-playing games, there are a handful of things that are necessary to progress throughout the game. 
One of those is the improvement of your character. This is usually done through a leveling system. Not always, but often it is. Your character typically starts at level one. Let's, let's call that the, the infant level. And as you have experiences in, this in these games, usually they're through combat, but they can be done in other ways. Those levels increase. And as those levels increase, your attributes typically increase with them. In addition to that, there are other things that you can do to improve your character. Those things are things done through like, I get new armor or new weapons or a new skill. That's often the case. Or I have an existing skill that I'm going to add to it. Um, in one of the games, it's actually a piano skill, as crazy as that sounds, where you visit different places throughout the game and each time you're there, you play a piano and you sound terrible at the beginning of the game and by the end, you sound quite amazing. Um, some of those skills are different forms of like uh, fighting techniques or other things along those lines. So in these Final Fantasy games, one of the uh, consistencies between the many, many games that are out there is you can only level up to a point. And when you get to that point, you are done. You might be able to get new armor or weapons that are more powerful than you had before, but you can no longer level your character up. You can only hit level 99 and then you're done. You've capped out. One of the things that we've just learned through some of the topics that I've just covered <coughs> is that we have a divine potential to be one with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. That divine potential implies limitless. In other words, the ability to continue to level up forever. So there's a phrase that I'm going to start using and starting to um, uh, align all of my future topics with. And in fact, I'm going to try to align all my future top topics with this concept in general. But in this situation, I'm going to go with this. Um, I'm going to call this the eternal leveling up enhancement. And it, so an enhancement could be like a new, again, armor or weapon, or it could be an attribute or a characteristic that you've, you've gained. So for today, this eternal leveling up enhancement, number one, is to see how Christ sees. I will use this concept of perspective, as I've mentioned it before. If 10 people walk into a room at the exact same moment, the exact same day, entering through more or less the same entrance, and they all leave at about the same time, each of those 10 people is going to see something else, even though the room is the same. Some will see the colors. Some will see the shapes. Some will see the, well, a person could break through that window and they could steal this very quickly before they get caught. Um, some people will not even see the room at all, but they will see those that they entered the room with. Christ and our Heavenly Father, they see all. But not just see all, but they see us as their potential heirs. And this amazing ability to have this eternal or potential eternal future in front of us. And if we can learn to see that, then we can learn to get closer to being at one with them. So the quote that I've often repeated, I'm going to be slightly amending over time. What if the only way to achieve our maximum potential or to eternally level up 
is to see how he, and that could be either Heavenly Father or Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is the example we have before us, so we refer to him, to see how he sees. And now what? Open your eyes and see how he, Jesus Christ, sees. Enhance yourself and level up eternally. Smile, be happy. Treat yourself with the kind of respect that you want to treat others with and see them how Christ sees them. And inversely, see yourself as he sees you. And to end with a little bit of levity from Doug Larson, to err is human, to admit it, superhuman. Smile, be happy, remember that you're worth it and that you have that divine potential. Have a wonderful week and thank you for listening.